I wanted to say to all our friends in Kansas City how much we appreciate your friendship, fellowship, and partnership. We are so excited to partner with the churches in Kansas for One Campaign 2022. As we listen to the scriptures, I pray it will help us to focus on repentance and our reflection during the season of Lent. We want you to know that we here in Ghana are praying for you and we are asking for you to pray for us that as we go through the One Campaign 2022, lots of people will get to know the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Price from New City Church in Raytown, Missouri, and I am so excited to join you on the One Campaign to make the name of Jesus famous. Let's go. I pray that God will help us to grow in our faith as we think upon all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And I'm so grateful that we can do this together. God bless you, Kansas City. We are one. Well, good morning. Man, you know, Casey said this earlier when he was telling his little story, but when we look at this video and we realize, I mean, isn't it great to look at what we're a part of? That it's, it's great to be able to look and realize that, that there are churches here in, in Leavenworth. There are mul multiple churches here in Leavenworth who are joining us during this season of one. There are, there are hundreds of churches across Kansas City. There are churches... Uh, there, there are churches across the United States and multiple churches globally who are joining us in this season of one to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Isn't it great to, to, just to see what we're a part of? And I, I want to tell you, our, our brother from Ghana, um, he asked, uh, he had a simple request. And I want to honor his request today. He asked that we take a moment and we pray for him and the church in Ghana as they pray for us. And so today, I, I want to do that. I want to pray for the churches here locally. I want to pray for the churches across Kansas City, around the United States, and globally. I, I want to take a moment and do that. So if you would join me, I would appreciate it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and it's such a great privilege to be able to stand in and amongst this group of, this group of your children and be able to say that your word is where we place our, our flag. Your word is where we stand. And I pray today, Lord, for the churches in Leavenworth that are, are, that are, that are proclaiming your gospel today. I pray that as they do so, that, that the, the, the hurts and the habits and those hang-ups of the people in their congregation will, be, will, will come to light and they'll find that the answer to those is in you. I pray for the churches across Kansas City that walls will be broken down, that a unity will come in the church of Kansas City that hasn't been felt before. I pray, Lord, for the churches across the United States that this is a time of healing. And, I, and Lord, I pray for the churches across the globe that are experiencing things that the church in the United States has never had to experience. I pray that as they stand today and stand boldly today proclaiming your word in the, face of, in the face of war, in the face of famine, in the face of disease, in the face of, of, of honestly, potential death, that, that you give them courage, you give them faith, and you give them strength. I pray that that is not only what they find inside themselves through you, but what is proclaimed in their words. So Lord, today, as we all stand together, to share your word, I pray that today, 
as we stand as one under the banner of the I am, that your name is what is glorified. In your name I pray, amen. Well, if we haven't met, my name is Joe. It is nice to look out here. I see a lot, of, a lot of faces I don't recognize. I see some faces I haven't seen in a long time. This is exciting stuff. And today, we're going to be reading out of the Gospel of John in the sixth chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn with me to that. And we're going to be reading, and if you don't know where the Gospel of John is, it's about 90% of the way through your Bible. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. And, and there's some incredible things that are happening in the life and times of Jesus at this station where we're about to pick up. So I want to just give you a little bit of background about what's just happened in the previous about 36, 24 to 36 hours in Jesus' life before we get to where we're going to read today. You see, Jesus just got done the previous day feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish and having leftovers. I mean, that's a pretty amazing deal. And he knew what was going to happen at the end of this. The Bible says that he knew the crowds were going to overtake him and by force make him king. And the truth of the matter is, by force, that's not what Jesus is all about. And, and so, so he, go, he says, he, he goes off into the mountains to get away from the crowds. And the disciples, they realize they've got to get away because they just had a really hard day of work feeding 5,000 people and gathering up all the leftovers. So they get in a boat and they head out into the sea. And Jesus, according to Scripture, is three to four miles away from them. And while they're out in the sea, waves, high winds come and waves come up. And Jesus walks out and joins them. Jesus just walks out and joins them where they're at. And the following morning, the crowd, after they've been well fed and rested, they wake up and they go looking for Jesus. And they realize, wait a minute, we know Jesus left and then the disciples left. And so there should be two boats gone, but there's only one boat gone. And then when they come, Jesus, the, the boat that has the disciples comes back onto shore and there's Jesus with them. And the crowds gather around and say, Lord, Lord. And, and Jesus says, hey, listen, you're only here because I fed you yesterday. But what you should be seeking is something that is much more lasting. And that is where we pick ourselves up today. So we're reading from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 35, and we're going to read through verse 51. It says this, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those the Father has get, that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said amongst themselves, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them in. I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the no one has seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, 
The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. You know, this is week two of 1-2022. And last week, Pastor Casey, I, if you haven't listened to the message from last week, I want to encourage you to do so. I think there was, an incre- there was a couple incredible things that we got last week. One, we got introduced to what, what, what I believe is the most important question we will ever answer. And we got inter- introduced to what I believe is the answer to that question. So what is the most important question that we will ever answer? The most important question we will ever answer is three simple words. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus is the most important question that we will ever answer. And and Casey did a great job of laying out that there really are only three options to to answer that question. The first is, Jesus is a liar. He he didn't believe. He's, He's putting out things that he knows are not true to people that are going to believe it, some of them to the point of their own death, that not only makes him a liar, it makes him evil. The second bit of this is that he's a lunatic, which means that he's, he's telling lies, but he believes them to the point that he's willing to go to death for something that he irrationally believed himself. But the third option is that he is who he says he is, and that is Lord. That Jesus is who he says he is, and that is Lord. And I believe that that is the answer to the most important question we will ever answer. And our series big idea, I believe, drives this home. It says, Jesus is God, so therefore he is Lord. Jesus is God, so therefore he is Lord. And see, we believe this, be- we believe this because of who Jesus claims to be and because of the resurrection. I love what Andy Stanley says. He's a pastor from Atlanta. He says, if someone, he says, if I met someone who predicted their death and their resurrection and pulled it off, I'm with them. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is that's why we follow Jesus. Because not only did he say what was going to happen to him, but then he rose from the dead in fulfillment of his own promises. We can trust him because of his actions and we can trust his words. And so when we look at who Jesus is, we also have to look at his words. What do his words say? Who does he claim to be? Well, we read this earlier, but we're going to read it again. In John 6, 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, this statement is one that has fascinated me for a long time. Firstly, because I like a really good sandwich. I mean, honestly, I like a loaf of bread. I like carbohydrates. They're kind of one of the things that I just, you know, I tend to go to. But secondly, because I just idea of, of something that we can eat and never hunger again. How does that happen? What does that look like? Well, over the course of this last uh, 16 to 18 months, I got to tell you, I've got a deeper understanding of what this scripture is talking about. 
So bear with me for just a moment. I got to tell a little bit of a story. The pandemic was really hard for me. That first year of the pandemic wrecked me. I got to be really honest. I am, I'm a guy, if any of you know me, I've never met a crowd of people that I didn't immediately love. I wake up in the morning and there's, there's two of the primary questions I ask when I get up in the morning is who do I need to meet and who do I need to hug? Like this is who I am. I wake up and this is what I want. And that first year of the pandemic, which, which it did to everybody, it took that, in some ways, took that away from us. And I found myself for the first time in my life, experiencing depression. And it hurt. I'd never felt anything like that before. Honestly, I'd never felt a time in my life where I just didn't feel. But that's what was going on. And during that time, I tried to feel, I tried to fill that hunger, that hunger for something else with anything I could. Primarily, cheeseburgers and tacos if we're really being honest. And in the first year of the pandemic, I gained 50 pounds. Not a good look. I caught COVID the first time. I went to the emergency, I went to the doctor, they tested me. And a very kind nurse said, Joe, you're lucky you're alive. And I'm not sure you're going to make it through this. You've got all the markers that says this is going to take you. By the grace of God, obviously, we made it through. Within the next two weeks, I had two different men come up to me very courageously and and say something to me, not in the same exact words, but in a roundabout way, they said, we're afraid for you. They said, we've watched you walk from one side of this room to the other and have to take a break. They said, we were worried that a year from now, we're not going to have you. One of them looked at me and said, Joe, you talk about self-control, but we can't see it in you. It's damaging your witness. So on one afternoon, I, after honestly being insulted in my mind, that's what I thought was happening, I decided it was time to do something about that. And I found myself at this incredible little gym here in town. And something happened. The first day I was there, the person who met me at the door, one of the first things they said is, what you consume will consume you. And, I, and honestly, I, then they looked at me and they said, hey, you need to go on a half-mile jog. And it took me 19 minutes. And... They came back and they looked at me and said, we're not sure you can do this, but we're here if you want to try. And so I tried. And they said over and over again things that I took as a personal insult. They hurt. They were true. But they hurt. What they didn't realize was they were telling me something that Jesus was telling the Jewish people in this time. It's that what we consume will ultimately consume us. And over the course of 16 months and 87 pounds later, I know that I, I'm knowing this scripture even better because 
I've taken it and I've made it my own. You see, the truth that they were saying was simple, but it was profound. And it was for me at the time was offensive. And it's that what we consume will in time consume us. And this is true in all areas of our life. This is true in all areas of our life. What we consume, if not done with wisdom and in a way that honors God, will consume us. If not done with wisdom, if not done with thinking about how does this honor Jesus, will consume us. And just like I was told some stuff that, all, that truthfully offended me, but I needed to hear, Jesus was approaching the Jewish people at the time and saying some things that offended them that they needed to hear. We we're going to pick up John chapter 6 in verse 53. It says, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Pause for just a second. These are God's, in their minds, these are God's chosen people. They are born into life. And Jesus is saying, no, that is not the answer. That is not good enough. I've got something more. You, need to, you have to ingest me. You've got to take me inside of you in order for, uh, for you to experience life. It continues on. It says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. You see, Jesus is saying, hey, I know, you, like, you know the history here. Your ancestors, they were starving in the wilderness, and I sent bread from heaven. I am more. This is, this is offensive to the people that he's talking to. This is offensive to people who thought they had it all together. This is going to be offensive when we spend time with Jesus. I promise you, if you lean hard into him, he's going to say something that offends you too. Because his way is not our way. It goes on in verse 61. It says, on hearing this, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Well, duh. I mean, seriously. Yeah, this is a hard teaching. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I mean, listen, we've talked about a few of the ways this is offensive. These are people with a history, a history of slavery and exile, of, of victory and defeat, a people who knew what it was to hunger. But Jesus is standing there saying he is the true bread. You see, the words of Jesus were to the people the Jewish people in Capernaum that day, they were offensive. And when most people would say, whoa, 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 we're going to slow down. We're going to back off our words just a little bit. Jesus doubles down so that they get the point that outside of consuming Jesus, we will, I will always hunger for more. Outside of consuming Jesus, we'll never find fulfillment. And what is this idea of hunger? I mean, hunger is a big deal. It's not just, I didn't eat an Egg McMuffin for breakfast and I got a little grumbly in my tumbly. 
This is deeper. It's the intense feeling that comes from a lack of food, resources, or anything that is needed for fulfillment. You see, this is, it's they, they, outside of consuming Jesus, we will never be fulfilled. And scripture speaks of four different types of hunger. And we see those active in our world today. And so I want to I spend a little bit of time talking about these. But I want you to understand the reason there is this hunger is, be, is because of original sin. When sin came in and broke perfect union with God, it left us hungry for wholeness. And so the first thing that happens, though, is there is earthly hunger. we got to be honest. There, listen, last night, 805 million people globally went to bed undernourished. That's a big deal. There is earthly hunger. We, we, we don't just hunger, though, after food on this earth. Some of us hunger after, after titles. Some of us hunger after, after accolades. Some of us hunger after money. Did you know that uh, top five questions since the beginning of Google top five question is how do I make more money for less work? I mean, I'm serious. This is a big deal. There is an earthly hunger for more because of the brokenness that came from sin. There also is a relational hunger. There also is this relational hunger. I mean, this, is, this has been a problem since the beginning of time. I mean, we get to see that relationships were broken quick. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, it says, And he said, that's God, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, that's Adam. The woman you put here with me, that's Eve. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It took about 30 seconds for him to throw her under the bus. <laughs> Relational brokenness created an empty hole that we've been trying to fill. Some of us do this in social media. Some of us do this through hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship. Some of us do this by hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship while we're in a committed relationship. Did you know that the, that, that the largest dating app in the world has 400 million subscribers? We search for relationship in a multitude of ways, whether it, whether it be through social media or dating or relationships or pornography or any number of other things. It comes from a hole in a relationship. It's a hunger for what we were created for. It's, but, but the truth of the matter, we were created for relationships. The only thing that Genesis says wasn't good was that man was not to be alone. So the Apostle Paul comes back in Ephesians chapter 4 and he gives us directions on how to live holy in the relationships that we're in as we're trying to fill a hole that we can't fill. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, Paul gets it. We're created for relationship, but relationship is broken. And so we need directions on how to live holy in those. So there is this earthly hunger there is for, for wholeness. There is a relational hunger for wholeness. There's also an individual or identity hunger for wholeness. You see, we, we, we have people that you search for the answer. You search for the answer to, to 
What, we, what I was reading about is that psychology today said is the single most asked question that psychologists get and, and doctors get across the United States and has been for the last five years. Who am I? They're asking the question of who am I? And people are searching for the answer to that through things like ancestry or things, things like identity politics or things like action groups or, or even some of the, you see these little quizzes that you can take that tell you a snippet of your personality and, and people tend to try to make that their whole totality of their identity and it doesn't show the picture. It's because we're asking the wrong question. You see, because truthfully, we're going to belong to someone or something. And so the question isn't who am I, it's whose am I? That's the question that scripture asks, is whose am I? You see, we are consuming identity in an attempt to make us belong to us. And scripture talks about this, and scripture talks about this in Romans 6, 16, where it says, do you not, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. We belong to something or someone. Anything outside of Jesus, though, will leave us hungering for something more. And the last type of hunger, I believe, is the root of all the other three. And friends, it's one that the world doesn't talk about, but it's one that Scripture talks about clearly. And it's an eternal hunger. It's an eternal hunger. See, Jesus is very clear in his words that we all hunger not just for food, not just for love, not just for identity, but we hunger for something that can only be provided by Christ himself. We hunger for a wholeness that we were created for, that we broke, and that only Jesus can heal. You see, we see this this in Isaiah 59. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, my iniquities, our iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins, my sins, our sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It goes on in Romans 3. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, there is something that is in all of us that caused a brokenness. And Jesus is the only answer. It is our sin that leaves us hungry. It is our sin that will in time lead to death. It is our sin that propels us to consume Things, a multitude of different things from earthly possessions to food to excess to relationships to a search for identity. It leads us to consume things that will ultimately consume us. You see, Charles Spurgeon, I love what he says. He says, he says every man speeds on something or other. You see one man getting his Sunday newspaper and he feeds on that. Another goes to frivolous amusements and feeds on them. Another man feeds upon his business and upon the thought of his many cares. But all that is poor food. It is only ashes and husks. When you possess true life, you will know the deep necessity there is of feeding upon Christ. You see, like I said earlier, and Jesus is saying much more pointedly, what we consume will ultimately consume us. So the question is, what are you consuming? What are you consuming right now that is consuming every area of your life? 
Because I want to tell you, friends, Jesus offers himself as the one true thing to consume. You see, Jesus, the bread of life, is the solution to true hunger. Jesus, the bread of life, is the solution to eternal starvation. Jesus, the bread of life, is the only solution we need to the hunger that rips apart our innermost being. You see, Jesus says in John 6, 47, he says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Jesus is the bread of life. And apart from him, our sinful desires will lead us to be consumed by death. You see, our teaching big idea today is without Jesus, our sinful desires will consume us. But when we consume Jesus, we will never hunger again. Our sinful desires without Jesus will consume us. They will consume us and lead us to death. But, without, but when we consume Jesus, we will eat and we will never hunger again. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When our sinful desires drive our hunger, we, the wages of that is death. But the gift of God is Jesus because he is life. And Jesus invites us to consume him and have every part of our life consumed by him. Jesus invites us to consume him, to become one with him. Because when whatever we consume, we become one with. We invite us to consume him and have every part of our lives consumed by him. John 6, 51 it says this so incredibly well. I know I've read it three times, but this is okay. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of of the world. This life that Jesus is talking about is available. See, because whoever consumes Jesus will be consumed with life. Jesus comes and offers himself as the one true answer. Jesus offers himself as the only way to true life. Jesus offers himself as the bread of life. So like I asked earlier, whether, what is it that consumes you? Are you consumed by earthly things? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Are you consumed by the search for relationship? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me and never hunger again. Are you consumed by the question of who am I? Jesus says, flip it on its head. Ask whose am I? Come to me. Belong to me. Be consumed by me. And never hunger again. Friends, as we sit here today, we're about to celebrate communion. And the deacons are going to come forward and they're going to help us. They're going to help us celebrate communion. And, and the band is going to come out and they're going to play. But as we do this, I want to talk about communion for just a moment. I want to talk about communion 
for just a moment and be able to say, listen, we are invited into communion with Jesus. And when Jesus and the disciples engaged in communion, what they experienced was common ground. They got to experience that Jesus was God, became man for us, lived a perfect life that we could not live for us, was, was about to die a death that we deserved and he did it for us. And in three days, he was gonna be raised again. And today we are invited into this by consuming Jesus. And how do we do it? We do it through repentance. We say, I am walking this, I was walking this way, which is towards a life of sin, but I am no longer, I am turning and I am going this direction because that is where Jesus is. And Jesus stands ready and says, whoever comes, whoever turns and turns from a life of sin and consumes him by repenting and turning towards a life that only he can provide, eternal life is is, is the reward. Eternal life is what will happen and what you will be given the moment you repent and come to Jesus. So friends, today, whatever it is that you've been consuming that is consuming you, today is the day, if it's outside of Jesus, to lay it down at the foot of the cross and come to him and consume him and let him consume every part of your life because he is the bread of life. So, let's celebrate communion. As you are led, stand up and exit out the left-hand side of your row. Come on down and the deacons are ready to serve you. And they will, and then enter back in on your right-hand side and we will do this together shortly. I love you, Westside, but not nearly as much as our Father in Heaven does.